Happy Monday. Welcome to the Blake Street Regulars podcast, your local Colorado Rockies podcast brought to you by Tap 14. Tap 14, 1920 Blake Street, just a hop, skip, and a jump from the home plate entrance at Coors Field. Just step down there, enjoy their beautiful rooftop. Summer is here. Enjoy with their 70 Colorado beers on tap, 100 distilled Colorado spirits, and a rotating locally sourced menu by Chef Andrea Varela up there. It is my place to go before and after every single Colorado Rockies game. Check them out at tap14.com. Spell it out, tap14.com. My name is Sean Droter. I'm your host, and with me today is the president of Mile High Sports and Ooh, president. My, uh, yeah, that's and fancy. My co-host on Mile High Sports Radio on weekday morning, seven to nine a.m. Nate Lundy, fancy president. I like that. I <laughs> hey, like that. You know, it's not like you didn't know that was the case. So. My wife get to call herself the first lady. She'd probably think that was fun. It's yay. She your, might be down. She might be thing, down with man. that. You, hey, you, you do how you want to do you it. You do you. All right. <laughs> what is wrong with this team? Uh, they swing and miss a lot, Nate. In a uh. six-game homestand against the Angels and the Brewers, the Rockies struck out 60 times uh, oh, for, for the math uh, inclined. That's an average of 10. But in the final game of the series, they struck out 15 times, 13 of them against Freddie Peralta, who is making his major league debut. This has to be a situation the Rockies have to fix. I understand that we're hearing about more launch angles and teams trying to hit home runs, but eventually you've got to put the bat on the ball, right? Yeah, well, I mean, that's what... So there's there's the worst thing you can do in a plate appearance, obviously, is strikeout, because you're not even giving an opportunity for somebody in the field to have an error, let alone, you know, to get a base hit or a double or to get an RBI or sacrifice fly or to bunt somebody over or whatever. You're, those That's just wasted time at the plate. It's like empty calories, right? If you're somebody that's on a diet or you're doing, uh, you know, you're trying to get yourself into shape, they talk about just like empty calories that you put in your body. Well, that's what this feels like. It's just a complete and utter waste of a trip to the plate. And look, I can I can understand you want to strike out seven times a game, eight times a game. I mean, you just play the MLB odds, and I understand that that's going to happen. But when they're doing it, to your point, an average of 10 times a game, when they're doing it 15 times, 15 outs that didn't even allow somebody to get you know, partway down the line to first, um, it's ridiculous. And I think probably what's most frustrating for me is when you look at the standings in the NL West and you think to yourself, I'm not saying you got to turn all of these things into wins or, or, or what have you, but when you can... When you can see the top of your division, when it's within view and you think about all these strikeouts, I think that's what bothers me more than anything. I understand that this is a team that likes to launch it over the wall. I get it. But when you can see the Diamondbacks right in front of you and you're like, man, we could if we were playing a little better at home, we could do something about that. We could be chasing them. We could be in the conversation and they're just not there. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because as we record this, they're two and a half games out of first, but they're four games under 500 at home. They've essentially squandered probably the best road start they've ever had in their history. They've played better on the road now than we've really ever seen them do so. And because they've been so ineffective at home, in part because of the swings. Now we look forward for the Rockies starting tonight. They start a nine-game road trip. That nine-game road trip plays every single team 
in the NL West. They take on everybody uh, in that road trip for for these next uh, nine games. So this ends up being absolutely enormous. They they skip the one team that they want to catch, Arizona, but they get San Diego, they get San Francisco, they get L.A., and these aren't teams you can mess with when it comes to striking out. San, San Diego's got a great pitcher's park. San Francisco, a great pitcher's park. The Dodgers, a great pitcher's park. So you're already behind the eight ball if you're the Rockies. And, and what I find concerning, and maybe it is a home road thing, Watching Peralta yesterday, a guy making his debut, was literally pitching down on Colorado Springs in the Brewers minor league system. They brought him up, just drove him up I-25 on a Saturday night, started him the next day. He worked the Rockies up in the zone, knowing that these guys want to uppercut it out. Well, if you're working up in the zone, that uppercut lofting swing not only gives you the same slow looping holes in a swing that you'd get in any circumstance, but you're never even going to be able to get to it. So you can throw the high strike, and if you can allow the the pitcher to get the high strike going, on top of that, it already looks faster from the eye angle coming in. So the Rockies have to find a way to change their approach. If it was one player, I would probably look at it and say, okay, maybe that person needs to sit a little bit. But it's not. This is the whole team. We talked about 10 per game in the six-game series. But if you take the the season as a whole, they're averaging nine strikeouts a game on offense, the fifth worst in the league. Whose responsibility is this to get this right? I think um, there's a couple of things. I mean, obviously, you have a hitting coach for a reason. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, You have a hitting coach for a reason. I think you also have leaders on the team that need to be able to step up as well. But here's maybe for me, and look, we don't always know what goes on behind the scenes, right? We don't always know what goes on in the clubhouse when the media is not there. But I'm, I'm getting to the point where myself as a fan, forget the media side of it for a second, myself as a fan of this team, I'm getting tired of Bud Black saying in the post game, well, it's just the game. We'll get back at it tomorrow or we'll get back at it, you know, this weekend or, you know, he'll he's doing and fill in the blank because this is, applies to a lot of the guys on the team is, well, he's you know, he's struggling a little bit right now, but he's going to be OK. No, actually, Bud, we're to the point now where it is the middle of May and this has been happening for seven weeks now. So, no, this this isn't just somebody needing to break out of a slump. This isn't um, this isn't a guy who's gone 0 for 20 over the last handful of games that, you know, is eventually going to fight his way out. This is beyond that now, Sean. This is a trend. This is a problem. This is this is quickly becoming an epidemic Um, and it isn't okay anymore now. Is Buddy saying something different behind the scenes? Maybe he is. Maybe he's addressing it differently than he is in the media. But I'm ready to find out for for Buddy to go, yeah, you know what? It's a problem, and we're working to fix it. I I think that much the way that sometimes we want a little bit more transparency out of the the other coaches and GMs here in town, whether it's Elway or Vance Joseph or or Michael Malone or whatever, I, I think I'm ready for Buddy Black to stop feeding me coach speak post game and actually acknowledge, yeah, you know what? We got a problem. Well, maybe when 15 of your 27 outs were by the strikeout, that may have broken the dam. Because last night after this loss, Bud Black, when asked about the strikeout, said, we are not happy about that. We have to make sure those strikeout totals come down for sure. It's not something we're going to stand for as we move forward. Okay, that sounds great. The next question is, okay, what, do what, is, what does not stand for? It means, what will you do? Are you going to bench somebody when they go over four or four Ks? Do you bench Ian Desmond? You don't have anyone else who can play first base. Do you bench Trevor Story? He's second on your team home runs and leading your team in RBI. Do you bench Charlie Blackman? Do you bench Nolan Arenado? What do you do? It all sounds well and good, but what do you do to send that message? Yeah, I think that's part of the problem is that there's not – 
um, you know, a, a basketball team can go to their sixth or seventh or eighth man to jump in and to take a starting role for a couple of games or things like that when somebody's having problems or somebody's not playing good enough defense or whatever. But you're right, the, the depth doesn't exist right now on this team. If, For example, if Ryan McMahon, when he was up to start the season, had been more successful, then you probably, as, as Buddy Black, you could have that ace up your sleeve to be able to say, Desmond, you got to sit down, man. You're hurting us at the plate because you would have a Ryan McMahon that you could go to that you could put at first base. And right now, he just doesn't have that. They had to send Ryan McMahon down because of the problems he was having. And he was so a mess. He's Dan struggling in the minors right yeah, now, his too. Head's obviously. A, his it's head's a, all jacked up. And it, it, that's just it. It's it's one thing when you know you've got some depth that you can put out there. But right now this team is missing that. And so I think Bud Black has been hoping and, and Jeff Breidich as well has been hoping that they will fight their way out of this. And I would have thought personally that this homestand that they just wrapped up would have been a really nice opportunity to do that. Um, and it didn't happen. You lost three out of four to the Brewers, including one that you managed to score 10 runs. And you still lost. Had a 9-3 to three lead in, in that yes. game and, and still managed to lose. And I'm glad you brought up Jeff Breidish because yes. we talk about this depth issue. Well, that's not Buddy Black's fault. We can argue about what oh, Bud yeah. Black's doing when it's talking about benching guys or accepting the strikeouts or pushing the, the pitching coach or hitting coach or whatever it is. But the, the truth is, is he can only do so much with the roster he has. And the roster he has has one person who can play first base with any consistency. And by the way, that person actually, the jury's still out there. The first season he's ever played first base was last year. Mm-hmm. So that that's falls on Jeff Breidich as well. So we're not talking something that's so easy to fix as saying it's this player yeah. or that player. In this case, is it Ian Desmond being undisciplined at the plate? Yes, it is. Okay, so what's Bud Black supposed to do? He hasn't been doing it. Okay, he hasn't benched him. All right, but guess what? He can't because Jeff Breidich didn't give him another guy who can play first base. So this isn't as simple as saying, all right, it's a player or it's a skipper or it's a GM. At this point, they've actually just sort of let a sinkhole happen and it's something that it doesn't seem like it's going to be easy to fill in going forward. Yeah, and it, and the other issue he's got is, you know, from Breidich's standpoint, is it's not like he's sitting on something um, that's tradable right now. I mean, sure, they've got some prospects down in the minors and things like that, but they're not sitting with, um, you know, someone. So, for example, if, if Cargo, who's on a team-friendly one-year deal, had actually started off the season strong, they might have been able to say, okay, Carlos, we hate to do this, but we've got to deal you for something that's going to help us out. And maybe you, you do him a solid, maybe you send him to a team that he wants to go to or whatever, just to go get yourself somebody that can help, somebody that can platoon, somebody that uh, can come in and, and maybe out of a, a seven-game set can play four of them for you just so you've got – they don't have that because Cargo's not doing well right now. Ian Desmond's contract is absolute hell – um, and no team wants to take that on. And we already know that the Rockies value their prospects immensely. Yeah, they're not going to trade Brendan Rodgers. Exactly. They're not going to go with that route. The only guys that are easy to trade, if you were to actually call a team and say, I want to get a deal done today, it's Nolan Arenado, it's DJ LeMayhew, and it's John Gray. Trading any of those guys does not make you better. So no, they are kind of stuck with having to deal with what they can deal with. And I think that limits what Bud Black can do on top of that because there's no real threat. You can't necessarily say, I'm going to sit you down. 
and play whom? Yeah. Even if you're Trevor Story, Pat Vileka came up and he was he was hitting about a buck oh three before they sent him down. So there really just isn't much depth on this team at, at this point. You hope that someone like Noel Cuevas, who's made a who's looked pretty good in the outfield, but outfield is not where the Rockies are oh. short. Infield is where They've they're got short. 740 outfielders. It's I mean, a lot of outfielders. They do not need help in the outfield. Without question. The, the other thing that that is hurting them right now, Sean, is it, it's not just what the bats are doing. And obviously that, you know, look, teams go through pieces like this. The other thing that's hurting them is I'll use that 11 to 10 game that happened on Friday night as the example, right? Where you talked about the fact that they had a 9-3 lead at one point. Um, here's the other thing that has happened to this team over the last, over the last several weeks. And that is... When the pitching is good, the bats are asleep, and when the bats are awake, the pitching's having problems. They can't seem to get those two gears of the machine to work together. They can't seem to do the the moments where they're getting a good pitching performance and they've put seven runs on the board, so they just coast to a win, and vice versa. When the pitching has been poor... They have not been able to get the bats awake enough, or as our co-host in the morning, TJ Carpenter, calls it, cluster luck, together with the hits to make up for it. You know, I mean, the 11 to 10 game was a little bit of an oddity, obviously, but when they've got a pitching performance where maybe somebody gives up five runs, well, their bats are asleep and they can't get eight or nine to make up for it. They're only able to score three. So they wind up losing six to three, let's say. Um, or yesterday is the example with, with with Peralta making his major league debut. You can't get anything going. And that to me is where it, it it's like those of you that grew up driving a, a manual transmission like I did. Yeah. You remember that sound that oh, when the right. clutch didn't quite go right. You remember that sound? Unfortunately. Right. I'd like to pretend I didn't do it, but I did. And there's so many games, Sean, over the course of the last, last let's say, three weeks where I've seen that happen, where the gears are grinding and you're just barely off. You know, it's you you desperately need Charlie Blackman to come through for you. And instead, he goes over four with two strikeouts, you know, like those kinds of things are happening instead of having things click to where, yeah, maybe your pitching isn't perfect and maybe your hitting isn't isn't perfect, but you're getting just enough that you're coming out ahead five to three. And and we'll hear more from T.J. Carpenter, actually, in the next episode of Blake Street Regulars. He'll join me later this week as we'll just bring our morning show in T.J. in sequence. On the podcast. You yeah. got to be careful because he, he'll you'll tell him podcast and he'll think he can curse. He'll think he can curse. And, yeah. uh, you know, uh, which technically we can. Yeah, we could loosen it up a smidge for him. Maybe. But uh, we're not going to mess with that he whole just wants cluster. To make, he just wants to thing. make butt jokes. Is what uh, he yeah, wants, well, really. we just, that happens on our radio show, so that's I can't true. really pretend that's that true. doesn't happen. But he, he does bring up that point pretty often that they can't seem to get it going at once. But And that is a little odd because when your pitcher is going well, as a hitter, you shouldn't feel like you have so much pressure that you have exactly. to crank it out of the park. You should be able to relax. Like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to try to hit a clean single. I'm yep. just going to try to advance the runner. I'm going to drop my shoulder and try to flip it opposite field because we're not down three, four runs. I don't need to kill it. But the Rockies don't seem to approach their their plate appearances that way. It seems as if it's the reverse. When their pitcher's going well, for some reason, they think, well, now we'll just pour it on because I don't know. I We have margin for error or something. But it's not working, and it's consistently a problem. And while Bud Black's done a terrific job with this team really since the day he's he's gotten here, this, to my mind, is the first crisis he's faced as a manager. Even though this team is 22-19, and 19, even though they're only two and a half games out of first, 
These are the things that we know if they continue, they're not going to stay above water. They're not going to stay in competition for a playoff spot. Well, and remember, last year, the reason that they were able to be in the wild card hunt the way they were was because they helped themselves in April. They helped themselves early in the season so that when they went through the losing streak that happened in July, what was it, seven games I think they lost in a right. row last year? And it, it was something to the effect of, I think, uh, like the 11 out of 16 coming something out of the like break. That. Yeah, it was. But it happened in July. And I remember that. So you're right about the all-star break piece of it. But they were able to withstand it because they had gotten off to such a great start. So, yes, they are only two and a half out of first place right now. Yes, they are still above 500. Yes, they have the second place spot in their division. But the problem is they're in they're in what I think is the toughest division in baseball. Um, and because of that, you you have to believe that those teams that are behind you, the teams that you're about to play that you just talked about, the Padres, the Giants and the Dodgers on this road trip, you have to believe that those teams are eventually going to get right. And shoot, Sean, it might happen over the course of the next nine games. Well, it very well might. I you mean, could the... find yourself in, in suddenly dropping back in the standings in a hurry if you're not careful over these next nine games. They're, they're probably far enough ahead of the Dodgers, even though, the, you know, I take a look at the Dodgers. I know they have injury situations. If you're not scared of the Dodgers, you're not paying attention. They but have more than last. enough talent. Yeah, and, and even one like a Corey Seager is out for the year. Come on, the Dodgers find guys. They yes. have plenty of firepower. They're going to get right, and they'll be dangerous by the end. So the Rockies can't probably fall that far. They're they're five and a half ahead of the Dodgers, but the Giants are only behind them by two games. And the Giants spent a lot of money, and we know that they're a championship-caliber team. They've, for a, almost a decade, they've won every other year. So that's a big risk for the Rockies, and now they're going on the road where, yes, they've been good this year, but let's not pretend traditionally they have been good on the road. They haven't been, and especially against NL West opponents. So this will be a major step forward for them. We'll have to keep I tabs you, on that. I bet you they're in third place when this trip is done. It, I bet you San Francisco passes Unless them. something changes very rapidly, I think you may be right. Not to rub salt in the wound for Rockies fans, and and not that he's all that better strikeouts. Now, keep in mind, Mark Reynolds, who had been the first baseman for the last couple of years, is yep. 18th on the all-time list in strikeouts. So we're talking about yeah. big, big numbers uh, at that point, too. But uh, he made his debut with the Washington Nationals last night at first base, uh, playing against the Arizona Diamondbacks, and all he did was go three for four with two home runs. If uh, yeah. Rockies fans, you want to think about what might have been there. So at the very least with Reynolds, I wasn't a huge fan of necessarily bringing him back because I think the strikeouts are a concern. I think as he's older, he's 34, uh, you can expect a decline, but at least he knew how to play first base. So yeah. these are things you end up questioning yeah, maybe Ian Jeff Reynolds going forward. This Ian Desmond contract is really burning them. Um, and, and look, I, I thought it was a big contract when they did it, but I wasn't as opposed to it as I am starting to feel emotionally right now. When it happened, I was not completely, oh my God, what in the, are you doing, right? I, I wasn't there. Now I am. So are plenty of Rockies fans over the last week in this last homestand for the first time I can remember ever with this team, uh, Ian Desmond is being booed when he comes to the plate. Before he comes, before he does anything, not after he strikes out, whatever, being booed as he comes to the plate, that is remarkable. So uh, say what you will about Desmond's year, that's not making it any easier to turn things I mean, around. People too. would boo me coming to the plate. So that's well, all I mean, we would do is strike something. out. But that's, uh, that's saying something. I don't know, man. I think I would lean into one just so I could get to first. 
I'd be paying for it for you'd, like you'd, years. But you would do that once. No, oh, yeah, and then just you'd once. never think about just, just once doing it again. But can, we, can, we, can I do it against a knuckleballer? Yeah, now that'd be the way to do it. It's just not so plunk. bad when it's coming in at fifty-five as opposed to ninety-five. So right, I'm gonna have to go do shots on the rooftop at Tap Fourteen now because. Now I'm just depressed. Well, that's the place. You invited me to be a part of this podcast, and now I'm depressed. Well. Damn it. There's, hey, look. They're still ahead. At least we're having this conversation about the Rockies, concerned about them, and they're winning as opposed to having these when they're, whatever, 12 and 22. So uh, things are still yeah, looking up. they could up. be 10 and 31, and that would really suck. Right. Things are looking up. And so it's still a, a beautiful time to go out to Coors Field. Yes. As we record this today, Gorgeous. it's been raining. But it was you know like what? hailing. But that's, that's okay. They're not playing here tonight. But that's regardless, true. even if it does rain, rain or shine, you can still go to Tap 14 up on 1920 Blake Street because there is an inside part as well, yeah. and they have plenty of umbrellas, and it's still warm and it's still nice so make sure you head up there 70 uh draft beers on tap all colorado all colorado and by the way i also want to mention because we always talk about the ballpark location because it's right there at coors yeah. Field. but if you happen to find yourself up at uptown at 19th and logan check out the new one i've been up there three or four times Ooh, it's fancy it's really it's it's beautiful um i mean the the ballpark location the lodo one is is fantastic you're right that rooftop i mean every, who doesn't love the rooftops in downtown uh but the new location at 19th and, and logan is also really really nice uh and you know you're doing something right when you got two beautiful locations for tap 14 yeah two very different experiences and you know all colorado through and through from the from the food from the drink to the reclaimed beetle kill wood that lines the inside so if you are a colorado rockies fan if you're a colorado fan tap 14 is the place for you make sure you check them out at tap14.com remember to spell it out tap14.com nate thank you i I will catch you You well i'll catch you tomorrow like we do every weekday on mile high sports radio 1340 a.m 104.7 fm in colorado or you can always catch us streaming uh, either on demand or live on the mile high sports app so thank you for joining me i appreciate it for nate lundy i'm sean drotar this is the blake street irregulars from mile high sports